0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. If you'd like to open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6, otherwise you can just listen I'll read it to you. I'm going to start reading from verse 25. It says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Good morning. The Lord speaks in strange and wonderful ways. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God is so, uh, like God, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you, a little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? After all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I have a word for you from the Lord. Are you all listening? This is for you. Are you ready? Do not worry. It's deep and it's profound, so don't let it escape you. Do not worry. Sometimes the most simple things that God offers us are the most powerful. Tell your neighbor, say, God said, do not worry. <clears throat> do not worry. It is, such a, it is something that is So important that we could easily lose it in the text. And so God's concerned that we might lose it. So he actually says it three times. So he starts off at the very beginning and he says, Okay, therefore do not worry. What he's telling us is at the very beginning, at the outset, if you want to know what I'm going to talk about, if you want to know the content, if you miss everything else, do not worry. And in the middle, he goes back to do not worry. Just in case you got sidetracked and you ran off at a tangent, and you were doing something else. Do not worry not worry and he gets to the very end and he says and do not worry about tomorrow just take care of today just take care of today I think God has a preoccupation with us not worrying and yet it's something that we so easily fall into we need to get to the place where we understand that what he's saying to us is I want you to understand that every day I give you is a gift take the gift and enjoy the gift enjoy the day live for the moment live for the moment Psalm 118 verse 24 says this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a decision. This is the day that the Lord has made. If you woke up this morning and you have breath in your body, you have an opportunity to sit and say, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Make a decision about how you want to live today. He's given us opportunities. Unfortunately, we live in a country that we have so many indulgences that we've, become, we've developed a whole society of people who indulge petulant kids. I'm so tired of people who have who criticized the country. It's sad to me. Yeah. You know what the biggest problem is? As parents, you draw a fine line. Because you're navigating the way that you raise your kids. But you're always shifting responsibility to them. Don't indulge them. Be careful. Because when you step over the line, the problem with it is when you hit indulgence, you lack appreciation. What ends up happening is I get to the place where I expect that stuff. We've got so comfortable in so much in this country. That we've turned on ourselves. And there are people that can do nothing more than criticize. I think we need to start a ministry. We'll get it so easily funded. And you know what we need to do? We're going to take everybody who has a problem with today and the country that I live in, and we're going to say we're going to give you an opportunity to go around the world and taste some of what's available. You want to sit here in your $300 sneakers and your cell phone and you think that your life is so hard. You need to go and spend some time in places where you don't have the privilege to sit and say, I'm not happy about this. Because the funny thing is, you'll disappear. (laughs) Never to be seen or heard from again. But we don't realize that because we don't live in that paradigm. And because we live in an indulged paradigm, we feel we can do and say anything that we like. It may not be a perfect country, but I can tell you now, you go going find a better one. Go and find a better one. That's my little divergent here. The point I'm making is this. If there was ever a country on the planet where you had the opportunity to sit and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the place where you can rejoice and be glad in it. You don't wake up in the morning wondering if you're going to a hard labor camp. You don't wake up in the morning wondering if you're going to have shelter that night. You don't wake up in the morning thinking, am I actually going to be able to eat today? We don't have those realities by and large in this country. We have very little reason to come to a place where we don't appreciate and value where he's placed us. If there is nothing else, you can rejoice about that. I can tell you now. Having traveled, I've seen some stuff. And so I'm happy to talk about people who haven't traveled. Because you're an idealist. Lamentations. Lamentations! You didn't think I would ever use a verse out of lamentations, did you? In fact, you didn't, some of you didn't even know lamentations is in the Bible. Lamentations chapter 2. Sorry, chapter 3, verses 22... uh, 23 and what? 22 and 23. The Lord's mercies we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I like the other version. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his love for you never ends and every day is an opportunity for him to sit and say let me give you a little bit of taste more of how much i love you his mercies never come to an end every morning is an opportunity for you to wake up and sit and say what am i going to participate in of god today that i never had yesterday How is he going to lavish me and touch my life and my relationships in a way that I've never experienced before? We have much, much to be grateful for. Worry not. We grow up, unfortunately, in Christian circles and so Christians by default know that worry is not a good term. And so... People don't like to talk about worry. Um, People sit and talk about the fact that I'm just concerned about something. I'm concerned, not really worried. Well, there is something called legitimate concern is when you're in control of the thought and the emotion. Illegitimate worry is when the concept has you. I'm not in control of the thinking anymore. I'm not in control of my, what's happening in my emotions. It's something that seems to have consumed my being. And I find myself in a place where I can't get to sleep at night because my head is running and racing all the time. I run through the day and with regularity. I can't engage in the projects like I need to. I can't engage in, the, in my relationships and my friendships the way that I need to. Because what's happening in my head all the time, what's running over and over, is the worry about something. The illegitimate... Anxiety about what's happening. I wake up in the middle of the night because all of a sudden I'm thinking about something. It's got me. I don't have it. It's a very different place. Do not worry. Do not worry. What's so important and something that I, I think is... Um, overlooked too often is subtext do you know what subtext is have you ever been in a conversation between two people and the conversation is happening up here but the messaging is happening down there Mm -hmm. you know that subtext you're sitting in an environment and you actually think you're talking about this and then you suddenly realize, actually, no, there's a whole lot more happening in this paradigm than what I'm aware of. And it's like there's stuff going on. And I'm kind of not always familiar with what the subtext is. <laughs> Men do that all the time. We like to live in text. We, subtext is a long word. We can't even pronounce it, let alone live, live up to it. Subtext. Subtext is important in our life. As a born-again believer, it's important for us to recognize the fact that the text and what you see is not always what's happening. And what's happening in the environment and what's happening in circumstances and situations all too often comes with a subtext. Why? Because you're a spiritual being. And as a spiritual being, we have a responsibility to become discerning about what's happening in situations, what's happening in different environments. The thing is, there are only two kingdoms. There is a kingdom of darkness, and there is the kingdom of light. There is God, and there is Satan. There I'm in one of the two. I found myself in the kingdom of darkness by default, but I was offered an opportunity to step outside of the kingdom of darkness and to step into the kingdom of light. And all of a sudden, the very life of God came and dwelt on the inside of me. And you know what ended up happening? You became the enemy. It's not because of who you are, but because of what's resident on the inside of you. And we don't always read the subtext of what's happening in the challenges in which we find ourselves, because we think that the issue is that person, and we think the issue is my boss, and we think the issue is the the government. We think the issue is everything else, because we miss the subtext. You wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spirit world. Read the subtext. If you want to have influence, you're going to have to get below the text and know what's happening in the environment. Because your influence is in the environment. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God. Why? Because I'm not interested in addressing the text. Get to the subtext. If you change the subtext, things will move. You're going to run up a rabbit trail if you get caught in the text. It's not about the text. John 10:10 says, "The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy." We become a target when we have the life of God on the inside of us. Don't think for a moment he is on your side challenge is this. All too often, I think people lose their todays. It's stolen from them because they're so concerned about their tomorrows. I can't enjoy what's happening in the moment. I can't enjoy my family. I can't enjoy the environment. I can't enjoy the blessing. I can't enjoy the opportunity because I'm worried about what could happen. He's stealing from me because he's using a tool to take me away from enjoying what God has blessed me with. Because I'm so consumed with what could happen. What might happen. It's about possibilities. But if you let him in, have you ever noticed that the possibilities are never good? We never sit and worry about, it'll be fine. It starts off from the worst And gets worse. Because if I can get you worried about that. If I can take your mindset. Of everything that he's given you. If I can take you out of the blessing. And I can keep you wrapped up in worry. You'll lose the pleasure. And the blessing of the present. Satan uses the things that God has blessed you with to become thorns of worry in your life. What are my kids going to be like? Look at the school system. What about the drugs? What could happen to them? What about the social environment? How are they going to end up? Look at the influences. I begin to worry. I begin to worry about things. He gave you them as a blessing. But I'm losing the opportunity to enjoy who they really are because I'm so concerned about who they're going to become and what it's going to look like. I'm so concerned about the world that they're going into. I'm so concerned about the environment and the circumstances that are facing them. I'm so it's not because I'm unaware is legitimate and illegitimate. God never said you don't consider things and you don't plan for things. What he said is you don't allow worry to come in. That's the big difference. We're not sitting here with our heads buried in the sand. But there is a place that we come to where we begin to recognize the fact that I don't want certain things to be present in my life. Worry and anxiety... Of the personality of fear. Worry and anxiety are the personality of fear. It's so much easier to say, I'm really concerned about tomorrow. I'm worried about tomorrow. I'm worried about this particular situation. It's so society uh, uh, comfortable. It's socially acceptable. Have you ever noticed that? There is something about critical mass. In advertising, you learn this. If you launch a new product, you always have innovators. Innovators are people that you really want to grab a hold of because those are people who don't care about anybody else or anything else. What they do is if they like it, they'll take it and they'll do it. You want those people because what ends up happening is they become trendsetters. And so other people look at them who would never do it because society is not doing it. And they look at it and they like it and they go, oh, they did it. If they did it, I can do it. So what ends up happening is mainstream follows the initiators. And they all follow suit. And before you know it, what ends up happening is something which was a trend gains critical mass. And so many people are doing it, it's like, well, if you're the cool person, you should be doing it. What ends up happening? Everybody else joins the boat. It's fine now, it's okay at this point because somebody as an innovator has gone out there. They've blazed the trail. Can I tell you one thing of when we grew up? Like we had sandals and you wear sandals. Please say this. This is just my thing, okay? If you like to do this, God bless you. Okay? But it was you would never wear socks and sandals. Oh, no. I know, Rafa. No. And I'm true as Bob. I get to my 50s and it becomes a fashion trend, and I was like, Lord, what has happened? But it popped out because somebody went out and did it. And some other palooka thought it was a great idea and did it too. And then we had two of them. And then oh, the next thing we knew, it was everywhere. Now everybody wonders. My kids do it. It was like slides and socks. And I'm like, what is that? But worry's the same. Woo, you see, the problem in society is that worry has reached critical mass. And so it's easy to be a worried person in society because you're normal. Come on. Everybody worries about stuff. Everybody's worries about tomorrow. Everybody worries about what's going to happen. Everybody worries about their job. Everybody worries about the country. You're normal. You're actually peculiar. Such a good word. When you don't, what's wrong with them? Are they detached from reality? You see, the thing is, when Worry gains a foothold in our life. What ends up happening is it becomes a lifestyle. When it gains a foothold in our life, it's easy to become a lifestyle. And suddenly it's something that I just do by default. That's the way I live. Worry doesn't come out of nowhere. You don't wake up one day and worry's on the wall. Worry doesn't wake, come up and attack you. Right. Worry starts off as a thought. Mm. Worry starts as a thought. I love the convenience of cell phones, but I hate telemarketers. One. If I don't know your number, I'm not answering. If it's really important, you'll leave a message and I'll get it. It's like if I don't know it, I'm tired of telemarketers. If I ever picked up and it's a telemarketer on the other end, they don't get beyond hello. Bing, done. They're out of there. Thoughts come into your mind like a telephone call. When you're wandering through life and you're going and you're facing circumstances and situations, the phone is going to ring. And when you pick up the phone and you answer, I can tell you who's going to be on the other end. It's one of three people. You, God, or the devil. Take your pick. There's no, there's no fourth. The challenge is this. If you answer the call and you're on the other end, be careful. Don't always trust that opinion. Because you don't know whether you're reading the situation accurately or not. Or am I just emotionally charged? Am I out of sync? Am I not? Be careful about what you hear when I'm speaking to myself. Put the phone down. Hang up. If the devil calls, you will know if he's called. Because what he's going to tell you is he's true to his nature. And he will give you an idea that will steal, kill, or destroy from you anything that is an idea that comes into your mind and you sit and think, you know, that's going to cause friction. That's going to cause an issue. That's going to cause loss. That's going to cause damage. I'm telling you where it came from. Recognize it by its nature. Hang up. Hang up. Wait for him to call. When you wait for him to call, things will change. Because he will give you direction, he will give you clarity, he will give you peace, and he will give you joy. Watch the phone in your head. Every time you get a thought, remember this, the phone is ringing. What you decide to do at a practical level, I'm trying to make this practical. What a practical level. Anytime a thought comes in, think about where it comes from and decide what you're going to do with that phone because there is a time and a place. In fact, in most phone calls, you probably need to hang up. You do realize that thought is not an attack on you. Thought is an assault on the kingdom. Thought is an assault on the kingdom. You made a choice. And you said, I want to get into the kingdom of light. And God said, you know what? I'm so happy. What I'm going to do is I'm going to fill you with my life. An assault on the kingdom. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, The kingdom is righteousness, joy, a peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit righteousness is so important because your righteous position is everything that Jesus did for you he saved me he healed me he made me whole he gave me a sound mind he gave me a healed body he provided for me he's given me everything that's my righteous position every time worry comes in you know what it does the design is to erode your righteous foundation because if I can get your foundation I get your peace and joy Your peace and joy goes with the righteousness. If I get your foundation to wobble a little bit, what will end up happening is, I can get into that space and I can erode it and you can lose your peace and your joy. What did Satan do when he met with Eve? As God said. What is he doing? He went straight for the foundation. He went straight for what God had told her, which was to be established in her heart. Why? Because if I can get your righteousness turned upside down, if I can erode the foundation that you're standing on, it'll cost you your peace and joy. It'll cost you your peace and joy. But that's not the worst. I know Rafa. You see, the thing about it is, if we, are, if we don't hang up the phone, what ends up happening is we live at a place where we allow worry to seed my life. And what ends up happening is worry seeds my heart with doubt. James chapter 1 talks about how doubt compromises our ability to walk with God and our ability to expect things from God. Because what ends up happening is I end up like a person without a foundation. And so I'm wobbling all over the place. And so I'm not grounded in faith. I'm not established in who he is. In the parable of the sower, one of the examples that, they, they, that Jesus uses, the, the seed that is sown amongst thorns. Do you know that the original Greek word for worry is strangle? Strangle. In the parable of the sower, he talks about taking of who he is, the seed of who he is, and putting it into our heart so that it would take root and grow up and bear fruit of who he is. And he says it couldn't get to that place because what ended up happening was the weeds choked it. Worry got in and it eroded the foundation. And so, what ended up happening is what he wanted to do in my life, what he designed for my future, was he, what his intention was for who I am and where he wanted me to go, was getting eroded. Because I didn't worry in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. I got it here somewhere. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. It's God calling again. I'm doing my best, Lord. (laughs) Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. What he's saying is this. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do you know what he's saying to you? He's saying, i meet you in the garden. Come talk to me. What he's saying is when you come and talk to me and you speak to me about what's happening in your life, when you come and speak to me about the assault that you find yourself in, when you come and speak to me about the circumstances and the situations, I'm going to put something on the inside of you. It's like when my kids come and say to me, Dad, I cannot lift the four-wheeler. Can you please come and help me? And I'm like, I'll be right there. Give me two minutes. They can leave with confidence knowing, you know what? I spoke to dad. He'll be right here. Just hold on a minute. He's coming. Go and meet him in the garden. He's going to give you something that nobody else can give you. And when he's given you that, you go into the garage and you stand next to the four-wheeler and you sit and you wait with celebration. Having done all to stand, stand. Stand. There are times where you meet with God and you've done all that you need to do. You know what he's told you to do and you get to that place where you sit and say, fine, now I'm just waiting for it. There's nothing more I can do. I can't add another cubit to my stature by trying to do anything. I have got to rely on him to do some stuff. I appreciate the fact that he says to me the reason that the lilies of the fields grow and the reason that they look so lovely is because of the fact that they don't have to do it, but they rely on God to do it. So I'm going to live in this place where I sit and say, God, I can't do it of myself, but I'm resting in you and I'm celebrating you. I live in a place of thanksgiving. And when you're in that place, what ends up happening is it puts you in a place where what he's told you is so compelling. It's so convincing. It is something that is so established on the inside of you and you are so persuaded by it that it doesn't matter that you have other thoughts that come in because it protects your mind. It's like, you don't have to tell me that. I already know what dad has said. I'm convinced of it. I'm living in that space. I'm doing some stuff in that space. And I'm comfortable in that space that I could never get outside of that. But he does say, when you're in that space, watch your thoughts. It's your responsibility. Think on things that are true. Things are lovely. Things that are virtuous. What he's saying is, keep your mind focused on me and what I've told you. Don't let let it wander. If you let your mind wander, you're opening the gate. Put the phone down. Hang up. The most uncomfortable place for a person who conforms to their environment is truth. The most uncomfortable place to be for a person who conforms to their world and their circumstances and their situations is truth. Because you know what? I don't want to hear it. I like where I am and I like how I feel. And I'm miserable and I'm, I feel bad about things and I'm angry about things and I feel um, wounded and a victim and whatever it might be, I justify where I am. But the thing about it is truth comes into that reality and it says, I know where you are, but you want to make a shift? I've got to make a choice. Because it's not comfortable. We always think that Christianity is easy. He never said it was easy. He said it's right. We always think it's going to just be like happen like that. God never said that. What he said is but if you step into it, you'll realize blessing and prosperity. Wages of sin. It's a choice we have to make. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. What he's doing is this. It's interesting because he kind of starts speaking about the eye and the eye being single and he's speaking about light. And then he uses that as a prelude to step into the whole discussion about worry. Rafa, got I get another one of these, please? Um, He's talking about He's talking about our eye and then he's getting on to worry. He's linking what we see with our thoughts. And he's marrying the two. And what he's saying is understand this your eye is important, your perspective on things is important. Our perspective becomes consequential. Because when our perspective is skewed, what ends up happening is we don't have an eye that is single, we have an eye that is blurred with things. We've got a set of binoculars at home. And so outside of our front area, there's a little hill that runs down. And every now and again, we end up with deer or fox or whatever that run down there. And so you go and get the binoculars and you pull the binoculars out. And invariably, one of the kids has used it. So it's so tiny, it's like this, it doesn't fit. So you have to open it up. But it's been set for them. And so the thing is, when you look through it for the first time, it doesn't help. It makes matters worse. You thought it was blurry before because you couldn't see. This is blurry all over the place. You cannot see a thing. What he's saying is, when your eye is not single, what ends up happening is our ability to read circumstances and situation is compromised. So what ends up happening is we don't see things clearly. And because we're not seeing things clearly, we end up with attitudes, we end up with dispositions, we end up with, we, we end up with decisions that we later regret because they're bad ones. Why? Because my eye wasn't single. I'm looking at things and I'm trying to interpret things, but I'm looking at it through the wrong lens, through the wrong perspective. Too many people weigh their situations by looking at their problems rather than looking at their purpose. When you look at your problems, you're going to conform to it. It's going to give you a very fuzzy view and you're going to look at it and you're going to get all kinds of ideas about what you should be doing and all the rest of it. But it's made to the exclusion of truth. We make dumb decisions when we leave God out of the equation. Lord, did that come out of my mouth? That was so good, We make dumb decisions when we leave God out of the equation. What he's saying is, when we get ourselves established in our purpose, we get ourselves at a place where we sit and we understand who he is in me and I view life through Christ. Christ. And when I view life through Christ, I see things differently. All of a sudden, I've been able to adjust the binoculars a little bit, and I can see clearly now, and I can see the nuances, and I can differentiate certain things that I wasn't able to differentiate before because everything was just a big blur. What changes us and what puts us at a place where we make good decisions in life is when we allow the Word of God to come into our life. Psalm 119. Verse 130 says, your word is a light. (laughs) I'll read it. Psalm 119, verse 130. When we get, uh, the entrance of your word gives light. I had to give you the accurate one. I don't want to just talk about light. The entrance of your word gives light. What is he saying? Come back to the garden. When you come back to the garden and I speak to you about your situation, when I begin to illuminate it to you, when I actually change your perspective and your filter on things, you'll see things differently. And all of a sudden you'll make different decisions. You'll feel differently about it. You'll engage with it in a different way. Why? Because his word has come in and has changed and shifted the focus of my lens. My eye becomes single and I can see some stuff the way that it should be. I'm seeing with clarity. What disenfranchises us and what leaves us at a place are stolen from is because worry puts us at a point because worry leaves us concerned about things that we can't fix worry illuminates to us our lack of ability in ourselves and it makes us feel vulnerable What Satan is really doing is he's questioning the way you were made. See, when God created you, He created you as a dominion figure. You were de- you were designed to have dominion. Do you know what dominion means? To be fi- to be victorious over circumstances. That's how Adam was created. Adam was created to live from a point of dominion, having victory over circumstances. But he lost it. It was gone. And because he lost it, man could never move to that space anymore. We were dependent on God. People had to run to God and they had to sacrifice to God and they had to plead with God and they had to go to the prophets and they had to go to the priest and they had to go to the king and say, please go and speak to God on my behalf. Please, will you do something for me? Because I can't change my circumstances. And then Jesus arrived. The living word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And he confused everyone. Because they thought he was coming to introduce a new religion. And he said, no. I'm coming to introduce the kingdom. I'm coming to introduce a new form of government. What he was saying was, I recognize you've been subject to the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of Satan. I'm here to introduce my kingdom, which is the kingdom of God. What he was doing was, he was saying, I'm here to reinstate your original design as a human being because you in your own capacity don't have the ability to be able to have victory over circumstances and situations but what the kingdom does is it gives us the opportunity to regain God's original design for ourselves because living through the kingdom all of a sudden gives us influence in those areas that we never had before that's why the kingdom's important he's not injecting worry into your life because he thinks that you Not that good looking. Doesn't like your personality. He's putting it in there because if he can put it in there, what he'll do is he'll sabotage your ability to live from the kingdom. It's the kingdom that gives you influence. That's what he's after. The kingdom is the word made flesh. The kingdom is not the written word. It's the living word that comes And becomes flesh in me. It takes up a habitation on the inside of me. John chapter 17 verse 21. They're asking him, "Well, tell us where is the kingdom? And what he says to them is, the kingdom is not a place. The kingdom is not a location. The kingdom is a reality called Jesus Christ. How do I enter the kingdom? Unless a man gets born again. He cannot enter the kingdom. What is the kingdom? It's Christ in me. It's Christ getting formed in me. And as Christ is formed in me, the very substance and heart of heaven is formed in me. And what ends up happening is it produces a person who lives from spirit and life. It gives you influence like you've never had before not because we have the prerogative of running around and being irresponsible but because i recognize my citizenship as a kingdom citizen i recognize who i am in christ and i understand the foundation of what makes me righteous and who i am i live from who he's called me to be and as i live from that space from that space i move into a place where i have influence in places i'm regaining what god originally designed for me to do to realize what it was to live in relationship with him and to move into a space where because of what Jesus has done, things happen. Yeah, come on. That's what he's trying to sabotage. Because if you don't have power, you are hopeless against the kingdom of the world. The mandate of the kingdom is to make Christ the center and circumference of everything. The center and circumference of everything. My encouragement to you is this: Worry has an agenda. The reason that God tells us not to worry is because He understands that it's not just something which keeps you awake at night, but Satan's after something much deeper. He's after your calling. He's after your inheritance. And if you let him in, he's going to use that as an opportunity to steal from us what God wants to bless us with. He's going to use it as an opportunity to take away from us our ability to have influence. To be able to walk into God's design and God's purpose for my life. He's cautioning us. Do not worry. We don't fight worry in our own strength. Go to the garden. Things happen when people speak into your life that you're never never going to get from somebody else telling you. You're never going to get by reading the Bible. I'm a big proponent of the Bible, but let me tell you, the written word is not a substitute for the living word. The written word should always lead you to the living word. It's the living word that changes things. That's why relationship with Christ is everything. Satan knew the Bible. He quoted it to Jesus. It's not the written word, it's the living word that changes everything. It's the living word who wants to take up residence on the inside of you. Have a wonderful Fourth of July. Celebrate today. This is the day that the Lord has made. Make a decision. I'm going to rejoice and I'll be glad in it. Wake up every morning. It's so easy to look at the things that are problematic in life. It's so easy to look at the challenges. I I stopped watching the news. A year ago. That's why I'm ignorant. But my life is so much happier and you know what? Nothing's happened <laughs> that I'm like because I to me because I wasn't prone to it. Manage what you expose yourself to. Don't put yourself in some environments because nothing good comes of it. I'm not talking about being ignorant. Please get don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But the thing about it is, understand this, life is full of goodness and wonder. Yes. And sometimes it's so easy to be consumed with the issues and the problems and the darkness and all the rest of it, that we don't take the time to sit and say, hold on, put on the brakes. Right, yeah. Check the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's a little moment. That's right. But it's only one of its kind, because once it's gone, it's gone. Mm. Find something. You can find things throughout the day. Philippians 4, verse 8, what he's talking to us about is, what should you fill your mind with? Look for his wonder in every day. Look for it in people. Look for it in circumstances. Look for it in situations. Look for it in nature. Find it in your garden. Find it in the sunset. Find it at the ocean. It's calling me. I can hear it. So can you. If you you open your ears, you'll also hear it's calling my name. Find the wonder in things. It's a better way to live. It's a better way to live. Father, I just bless you for every person who's here and every person who's watching online. I thank you for the incredible plan and purpose that you have for their life. I thank you, Jesus, that you came not to introduce a new religion, but you came to introduce the kingdom. I want to thank you that we become kingdom citizens, people who participate in the fullness of life that you've created. I thank you, Father, that the kingdom life gives us the opportunity to have influence over circumstances and situations. I thank you that the greater one lives on the inside of us. And because of that, it puts us at a place where we can walk into the fullness of who you've designed us to be. We make a decision today and a declaration that worry is not going to steal from us. It's not going to steal from us what you've provided. I speak blessing over every person. I speak health. I speak prosperity. Fullness of mind. A fullness of of provision. Healthy mind. I thank you for a week of wonder for every person. An extraordinary week. Let us never be slow to recognize where it comes from. I bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.